Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you've never tasted, I encourage you to try it. Better than any soft drink, fried food you've ever tasted. He's better than all of that. He's God. He's our everything. And so this morning, let's pray and ask the Lord to be with us. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. God, we thank you for your word. And God, you said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That is an invitation for us as believers and for those who are non-believers to come to the living waters and to taste and to see. And God, the word says that you are good. And so, Father, would you be with us today? Would you speak mightily through your word? God, would you enlighten us, encourage our hearts to turn towards your people? Lord, we love you and we thank you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. You know, my heart through all of this has been tremendously burdened. At one point I called Jim McBride and I and we talked about, you know, the, the situations of today and the atmosphere that we are in. And man, I'm, I'm you know, I'm just disappointed. The disunity, the incorrect, the lies, just, just every part. I mean, I'm just really just, just almost done with it. And I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes I just sit down, and if you are not a believer in Christ, your heart has to be burdened for this country. It has to look at what's going on and say, man, there's, there's got to be a better solution. And we know the solution, and that solution is Jesus. But we, we say, man, there, there's got to be something better. And so you know what I start asking myself? I start asking myself the question, how long? How long will this continue? How long will it be that I have to continue to, to wear this mask? How long do I need to continue to social distance? How long will it be before I can get to take my children on a vacation again? How long, God, how long will this take? How many people have been asking that same question? How long? And in asking that question, how long, I also ask the question, Jesus, when are you returning? Because you are the only hope. You, you are the only only star that I see in the distance that gives me hope. Jesus Christ. And we start asking the question, how long? But then I start thinking, is that really the question I need to be asking? Because when I continue to ask the question, how long? And if I am not a believer and I don't see the end in sight, that can bring on complacency. And that will cause me to sit in a, a particular place and just say, oh, how long? Oh, we're going to be in this place a long time. Oh, this is going to happen. I don't know how long it's going to happen. And it starts burdening your heart and weighing on your heart more and more. And so my question started being, not how long, is am I ready for your coming? Am I ready for the coming of Jesus Christ? Now, in order to be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ, you need to have one thing straight, and that is your salvation. You have to, number one, believe that Jesus Christ was sent to this earth, died on a cross just for you and I to be the pathway between a sinful man and a holy God. 
That is the only way that you will get to heaven. Make no mistake about it. I don't care how much you serve. I don't care how much you come to church. If you have never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there is no way that you're going to make it into heaven. Jesus Christ is the only way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. But I said, okay, God, so if, if I have to, to wait, and, and we're waiting, and, and I'm waiting on Christ to return, what, what should I be doing? How should I continue to approach this? And guess what, saints? I'm not the only one that has asked this question. <laughs> the disciples also asked the same question. So if you can, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to move to chapter 25 as we go through this. Matthew chapter 24. You see, in this portion of Scripture, Jesus talks about his return. And many scholars may underline this as what's called the Olivet Discourse. Jesus goes up onto a mountain with his disciples, the Mount of Olives, and he starts to tell them exactly what will happen in the days to come. Because in verse 3 of chapter 24, they asked the same question that I did. Look at this. Chapter 24, verse 3. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things happen? They're talking about the temple in Jerusalem actually being broken down. When will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming? And, And of the end of the age, when will these things happen? I said, God, that's the same thing I'm asking. How long? How long must we walk through this? God, how long is it before you return to us? And in in chapter 24, verse 4, Jesus starts to walk them through what happens before he comes. And he breaks it down in three separate areas. Number one, he breaks it down into the signs of his coming. The preparing of his coming, and then also the judgment of his coming. So we're going to start right there in the signs of his coming. If you're right there in chapter 24, from verse 4 to verse 14, he talks about the signs of his coming. Tell me if you see any of these things that's familiar. And Jesus answered unto them, see to it that no one misleads you. Isn't that interesting that he says the first thing you need to be careful of of people trying to deceive you. Beware of deception. He goes on in verse 5. He says, for many will come. Listen, many will come in my name. The name Messiah. Not the name Jesus, but the Messiah. The one, the coming one. I am your salvation. Hey, I'm here to save you. He says, many will come in that name. Saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you are not frightened for those things must take place. But that is not the end yet. You see that? For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and, you will, and they will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time, many, look at this, look at this scripture. He says, many will fall away. Many will fall away. 
and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many because of lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold. Now, as I look at those signs of his coming, number one, I see deception. Number two, I see wars and rumors of wars. Wars and rumors of wars. Things are happening in this country, happening in this country. I hear about someone getting killed over here and retaliation, wars and rumors of wars, famines, lacks of food all across the globe, earthquakes. And since we're in the South, tornadoes. <laughs> Persecution. Look at this. Disunity in verse 10. Disunity. And this is the part that burdens me so, so much. Look at it. People's love will grow cold. Oh. I'm going to tell you why that hurts me so bad, because I believe that these are people who love the Lord. These are people who have good intentions, but they've been in this, this washing machine of problems so long, they say, you know what? I, I can't do this anymore. So now we drive by people on the street. Now when I see somebody in trouble, I don't pray for them anymore. See my neighbor outside, I just drive right on in my garage. My love for things, the things of God, have basically just grown cold. Do you see that today? Our hearts are not bent toward the things of God. They have grown cold. So now, as he shows us the signs of his coming, let's look at how we prepare for his coming. How we prepare for his coming. And his preparation is outlined in Matthew chapter 24, verses 45, all the way to Matthew chapter 25, verse 30. Preparing for his coming. And as he talks about the preparation for his coming, he gives three parables for the preparation of his coming. He gives three parables. Number one, he talks about the parable of the, the servant and his master. The servant and his master. I'm just going to break it down real quick for you just because of time. Jesus calls his servant. He says in this particular parable, he says he leaves a servant behind. And as when he leaves this servant behind, this servant is supposed to be serving other people. And the master comes back and find out that he's not serving people like he's, he's supposed to be doing. Uh-oh. It's starting to hit home now. Because if Jesus gave me signs of his coming, now he's telling me how to prepare for his coming. And the first parable that he addresses is serving people. Let's look at the second parable. The second parable can be found right below that, the, the, the parable of ten virgins, Matthew 25, verses 1 through 3. And this parable talks about a virgin or ten virgins who are preparing for their master to or their husband to return. And as they're preparing, they're all told to get their lamps ready to go. Well, guess what? Five of them did not. And the master of the house returned at a time that they did not know, and five were unprepared. And you know what they did? Just like good neighbors always do. Hey, can you loan me some of your oil just in case, you know? And they said, no, no, I can't do that. The master has come back. And they went on. 
And what I see in that one is God is telling us, hey, be void of procrastination. Be void of procrastination. He's first telling us to make sure that we're serving other people. Be void of procrastination. But then the last parable is the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents can be found in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. And in the parable of the talents, uh, you see a man that is given talents. And he needs to, or she needs to be a wise steward of these talents until the master returns. Do you get the picture here? You see where Jesus is going with this? He says, until I return, you need to be serving people. You don't need to be waiting. You need to be void of procrastination, and you need to be good stewards of the talents that I've given you. Somebody say amen. amen. God has entrusted a lot to us, and the lot is mainly giving or sharing the word or the gospel of Jesus Christ with others, and the gospel is not your testimony. The gospel is telling the truth of how Jesus came to this earth, how he died on the cross just for you and I, and he was raised to sit with the Father at the right hand of the Father. That is the gospel. And so that is our responsibility as believers. So now comes, after he gives us the sign of his coming, after he gives us how to prepare for his coming, now he gives us the judgment at his coming. The judgment at his coming. And this is where we're going to part for the next 16 minutes and 8 seconds. So turn to chapter 25, verse 31. Chapter 25, verse 31. And I want you to read this. If you don't have a Bible, get a phone, something. Everyone in this room needs to have some type of the Bible in your hand so that you can read this for yourself. You've got to understand what Jesus will be, will be saying when he returns. Now, in the scripture, there are two different occasions where it talks about Jesus actually judging the saints. One is in Revelation chapter 20, and the other is here. And make no mistake about it, although we will be talking about serving, serving will not get you into heaven. I don't care how many hours you spent on the golf cart outside. I don't care how many hours you put in in the kitchen. No offense, Nay, I love the kitchen. I don't care how many hours you put in serving. I don't care how many meals that you've given to someone. That will not get you into heaven. And I just want to continue to reiterate that, reiterate that because there are people that think if I just do good, I'll get there. And that is not the truth. The only way to the Father is through the Son. And so in chapter 25, verse 31, this is what it says. But when the Son of Man comes in, in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the sheep from the goats. And this is the mental picture I get of this particular scripture. I have a picture of Jesus just kind of walking through the aisle just kind of moving people to the left and to the right. Sheeps and goats. Sheeps, goats. Sheeps, goats. He's just separating. You know why he does that? Because a decision has already been made. 
There are no questions at that point. There are no questions. Hey, are you, one, are you a sheep or a goat? No, there are no questions at that point. He already knows a decision has already been made and a separation is actually taking place. Let's continue to read the scriptures. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared uh, for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry? I want to come back to that in just a second. And feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink. And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Verse 40 says, and the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. Wow. That woke me up. I'm going to tell you why that woke me up. Because in here, in the scriptures, it gives me the characteristics of believers. Now, it doesn't tell you if you are a believer or not, if you're doing these things. It gives the characteristics of the believers. So I had to ask myself the question. When was the last time I fed somebody and they were hungry? When was the last time I saw someone that was thirsty and gave them something to drink? When was the last time that I saw someone sick and I prayed for them? When was the last time I saw someone naked and gave them the clothes off my back to make sure they were warm? You see, these are the questions. Well, these are the characteristics that Jesus will hold us by at this particular time in history. And so I had, as I looked at this, looked at these, then I had to look at the consequences for not doing that. Looking at verse 41, and then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. It wasn't prepared for people, it was prepared for the devil and his angels. So I want to encourage you today. I'm just going to make a quick turn in here. I want to encourage you today. If you have not given your life to Jesus, today would be the best day. Because if not, you're going to be reading about yourself. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, you accursed ones, into eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer to themselves, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it, to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Then these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Sobering, isn't it? So let's look at the people who he calls out that we need to be taken care of. 
The first, and I think when Jesus talks about this, he doesn't just talk about physical needs. He also talks about spiritual needs as well. And so the first group of people that he talks about are the hungry. When was the last time you saw someone hungry and you met their need? Or better yet, when, would you, when was the last time you saw someone spiritually hungry and you sat down with them and discipled them? Someone that is just wondering, man, I just really need, I really need to understand God's word. I really need to understand who God is, or I really need to understand my relationship with Christ. And like a brother or sister, you sat down with them and you opened the word of God. And as the both of you sat down, they feasted on the word. And the hunger that they had quickly dissipated because you were allowing them to see what God's word said. And, and the more they ate, the more full they became. When was the last time you did that? Well, maybe let's look at the next one. Thirsty. Thirsty. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Sharing with those who are physically thirsty. You know, I, I, look, I, I love to ride around looking for opportunities to serve people. Now watch this. I'm just going to give you a quick practical application here. I was riding by at the corner of Slappy and uh, Dawson Road, you know, where the, the big red glowing sign just, just kind of jumps out at you. Hot, 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 hot. I know, it's just, just jumping out at you. And sometimes that's all you can see is just hot, 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 hot. But as I looked over to my left, I saw a group of young men and young, young, men and young ladies standing over to the side. And they were doing some fundraising. And as I started to hit the accelerator, God says, when was the last time you gave a drink to somebody that's thirsty? So I pulled into the store. I grabbed a whole bunch of Gatorades, put them in my car, rolled back out, nice and cold, took them over there to them. Hey, it looked like you guys are hot out here. I know you're out here trying to raise fun, but here you go. Here's a nice cold Gatorade. You know what that did? That opened up the door to share the gospel. Nice cold water in the name of Jesus. Nice cold Gatorade in the name of Jesus. You see, this is the, these are the characteristics that believers in Jesus Christ should have to reach a dying world. Not just living out my time until Jesus returns or, or I go home, but I am making sure I'm making every effort to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the hungry, the next one is invitation, inviting strangers in. You know, this is a time, in verse 35, it talks about strangers. You know, I was a stranger and you invited me in. He's like, Pastor Ken, this is 2020. We don't invite people in, okay? We don't invite people in. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Being this season of COVID, there are many people who are at home struggling. And so God may open up a, a, a door or an opportunity for you to invite someone into your home to sit down and have dinner with them. You can socially distance and still do these things. Set up a nice little tent outside in your backyard and you have a little get together. Just kind of you and your neighbors, you're inviting people in. And then the spiritual application of that is showing fellowship to those who don't know Jesus. 
When was the last time that we did these things? You see, people would have you to believe that COVID should stop Christians from doing all of that. And that's not true. COVID does not stop us from doing anything we're called to do in the Bible. Nothing. And so Jesus continues to call us. He says, hey, you know those first things that I read, the signs of his coming? You know what those are? Those are distractions to get you off the mark. If this can happen, and this can happen, and this can happen, and this can happen, and you're overwhelmed, and the kids are cutting up, and school is out, and I mean, all these things are just happening, all these distractions are happening, and they take your focus off what you're actually supposed to be doing, which is reaching a lost community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm inviting, inviting strangers in. The next one. Providing clothes to those in need. Naked and you clothe me. I was sick and you visit me. Naked and you clothe me. I'm thinking of, you know, riding around. Here's a good practical application. Ride around with stuff in your car. T-shirts in your car. Socks in your car. You know, lotion in your car. You know, people who you see that, that, and ask God to give you an opportunity to be able to be a blessing to someone. A coat in your car. It's getting ready to get cold. Shoes in your car. Lord, help me to do this. You see, when I do things like this, I am living on mission. I have a specific purpose of being a blessing to someone and sharing with them the love of Christ. Amen? Being purposeful. This is what Jesus is calling us to do. Not only that, but if, I, if you say naked and clothe me, then I start thinking Okay, someone in this room could just be thinking about poor people, people who don't have it. But this verse is also talking about those who are rich because they could be unclothed in righteousness or unclothed or away from Christ. And so I am praying and interceding. I am covering them in prayer and intercession. Does that make sense? I'm continuing to lift people up before the Lord. Hey, they may, they may be good. They may live in a good house, a nice neighborhood. But guess what? Every day I'm going to cover them in prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray for this family. I know they're having a difficult time. But, Lord, I am, I am praying for them. I got a brother in Christ who every week religiously sends me an email saying, Hey, I am praying for you specifically this, 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 and this. Covering me in prayer. And that's what we should be doing as believers. As I continue to walk down, just one more point. I'm going, to, I'm going to put both of these points together in verse 36. It says, I was sick and you visited me, and I was in prison and you came to me. The physical application of that is showing love and concern, but the, phys- the spiritual is to show the love of Christ. 1 John 4, 7 says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So you know what that tells me? If I know God and I love God, that should be a natural reaction. If that is not a natural reaction for me, I need to check myself. God, am I truly one of yours, God, this just doesn't overflow from my heart naturally. 
God, am I, am I truly, truly one of yours? Because, saints, the last thing that you want to hear is depart from me, I never knew you. So I want to do three, three, three things this morning. Number one, I want to invite those who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Today is the day. Don't wait another moment. Give your life to Jesus. We'll have some pastors that are out in the atrium. And if you're at home right now, get on your knees and ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I ask for forgiveness. I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I am yours. You are the Lord of my life. Confess and give your life to Jesus right now. Another minute. Can't wait. If you're here and you are a believer, and you said, you know what, Pastor Ken, I think I'm just going to take the, the year off. I'm just, I'm just taking the year off. I'm just going to hang in the background. I'm not going to serve. I'm just, I'm just taking some time off. Friend, I want to tell you, that's not what Jesus calls us to do. There is, no, there, there is no code in the back of the Bible that says, hey, you can take time off if COVID hits. There is no clause in the Bible that says that. Get back and get busy serving. There are multiple ways to serve. You can serve in hospitality in the kitchen. You can go outside and get a box from Operation Christmas Child. You can serve on the usher committee. You can serve anywhere. There are multiple places to serve. You need to be serving. But if you're here and you have been serving, I want to encourage you. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap if you faint not. Continue to charge on. I don't know about you, but I want to be prepared for Jesus' coming. And I know I don't get to heaven by serving. But when I stand before him, I want to be found as faithful. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for your word because your word is life and it is light to us as believers. And God, through your word, you give us encouragement and wisdom. And in this particular scripture, you show us the signs of your coming, how to prepare for your coming, and then also the judgment at your coming. And so, Lord, as believers in Christ, God, we want to be found faithful. Faithful to the calling. To share your word, to pray, seek your face, support those who are needy, those who are not needy, continue to pray for them. God, we just want to do your will. So, Father, would you grant us your grace and continue to be with us. Is in your son Jesus' name I pray. All God's people said, amen.